Hey humans, how's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. This is episode 215, and I had a conversation with Richard Lael Lillard. He is also known as the Gentleman Psychic. He's a clairvoyant, a medium, paranormal investigator, actor, and celebrity impersonator, and he is a spitting image of Freddie Mercury. He's also been known to do the Johnny Depp version of Willy Wonka and Frankenfurter from Rocky Horror Picture Show. And I'm going to put pictures of him in those characters or as those characters on the Facebook page and on the Instagram page for Hey Human Podcast so you can see how just dead on he is. Richard and I talked about all sorts of stuff, uh, his childhood, what it was like to be uh, someone with extrasensory in a world that maybe doesn't understand that so much. He talks about some of his experiences. Um, He throws you for a few twists and turns along the way. And really interesting. And just a little backstory. I met Richard. I say this a little bit on the show, but I met Richard because I was uh, at a is at a place called Beetle House, it's Tim Burton's bar, and Richard was in there doing tarot cards, and he was extraordinary. He was dead on with me and a couple of my friends, and I later sent other people to go see him, and he blew their hair back as well, so he's really good at what he does. <clears throat> and I thought, well, it would be fun to have him on the show. We've had other clairvoyants on the show before, other mediums. It's something I'm really fascinated by and interested in, and so I'm all about it and interested. Who knows uh, the mysteries of the universe? I certainly don't, but I love digging into them. Uh, as I mentioned before, uh, you can find those pictures on the Instagram and Facebook uh, for Hey Human Podcast. If you want to check out me on social media, I'm under Susan Ruthism, and that's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. A couple things that I want to mention. Uh, my Second City show is coming up on Sunday on Zoom. Uh, they'll be sending us the link to give to everybody to watch that show. It's a free show. <laughs> it's a half an hour. It's hilarious and crazy. And uh, definitely watch that if you can. And you'll be able to get links to that probably by Friday on my social media. So definitely check that out. Also, I was a participant, an actor in the Sentinels podcast. It's a serial podcast written and directed by Mike Disa. And it is. it can be found sentinelspodcast.com for more information. Definitely check that out. It was so much fun. Uh, the highlight for me was to listen to Peter Woodward talk. Wow, what a voice. Rate and review Hey Human on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It's super helpful and I really appreciate it. I already talked about social media. You can email me, Susan, at heyhumanpodcast.com. On the heyhumanpodcast.com website, you'll find a links page. Every episode has its own pile of links, uh, books and ideas and interviews and articles and things that go with each episode. So definitely check that out. Uh, SusanRuth.com is my personal website. You can find out more about me personally, the other work that I do, art and music and uh, that kind of thing, and acting and, and all that fun stuff. Definitely check that out. It's also a mailing list on there if you want to be kept in the loop about things coming up or just fun, weird things I find on the internet, then definitely sign up for that mailing list uh, under SusanRuth.com. It's right there at the top of the page. 
Speaking of things at the top of the page, there is a donut button. Donut button? <gasps> Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> you just push the donut button and a donut pops out of your computer. A donate button on heyhumanpodcast.com. Uh, it is an ad-free podcast, so donations are fantastic. If you feel like donating, please go there on heyhumanpodcast.com and hit that donate button. I'm working diligently on some really cool things coming up soon. I hope I get to announce. Uh, I'm a one-man army here, so <laughs> trying to trying to get things done that I'm very excited to share with you. Um, but it's slow going. I'll explain later, but boy, it's slow going. I'm trying. It's exciting, but it's taking some time. Other places that I want to bring up that are great for donations, feedingamerica.org, uh, ACLU, NAACP. Rain is another uh, great place to donate. The Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. <clears throat> Rain.org. They during all the lockdown and everything, um, they have had a huge rise in phone calls and people reaching out, and so any support there is is greatly appreciated. If you need help, if you you or someone you know needs any kind of help, call 800-656-HOPE. That's H-O-P-E, 800-656-HOPE. That's the National Sexual Assault Hotline. It's free, it's confidential. Definitely, if, uh, if you need to talk to somebody, please, please reach out. Okay, uh, that's all I've got for the housekeeping stuff. Stay safe out there, um, be well, take care of each other, do kind things, and uh, I love you. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. I couldn't do this without you, so thanks, and uh, here we go. Hi. Hello, Ms. Ruth. Lovely to make your acquaintance. Good to see you, yes. Richard Lell Lillard, welcome to Hey Human. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You look very dapper. I love your oh, house. Thank you so much. Well, I live in an 1890 Victorian home, and I wear suits every day because I am an eccentric human. I love it. The mustache is wonderful. Thank you. I'd wanted one since I was a child, and uh, I wanted one so badly that my father grew one for a while. And then I did. Well, I, I only grew it the last, my goodness, maybe six months ago, because in my previous line of work as an entertainer, I had to be clean shaven. So now I am not doing that anymore. Yay! All right. Hey. I, am, I am still checking levels here while we talk. And I'm going to, where's my little buttons here? I'm going to, because your voice is really lovely. And sorry for this little, I'm going to turn it down one notch. Quite all right. And that should be. Perfection. I adore all of your books you have back there. That's oh, thank you. Yeah, you know they're they're great natural um, natural sound buffers. Oh yeah. So, oh yeah yeah yeah. And they're a little more exciting than throwing a just a blanket. <laughs> that is true. Or a baffler, whatever it may be. So, hello. Hello. You and I met briefly uh, at the Beetle House. I don't know if you remember, but I was there you with do? A, yeah, I was a, yes, yes, a couple of my friends who were visiting from out of town, and I said, Ooh, "We must go to Beetle House. It's so much fun." Tim Burton uh, place, obviously you know mm -hmm. that, but they may not know that. And uh, <laughs> you were doing readings, tarot readings, and uh, I said to my two friends, "Let's do this." And you are 
sensational. You were really great. You were spot on. Thank you. I sent other friends to you when I wasn't there and they were marveling at you. And I actually told one of my girlfriends, uh, Meg, she's like, oh my God, I loved him. I'm like, oh no, he's great. So we were going to be talking. So she was very excited. I'm honored. I'm so glad to hear. Yeah. Such, such good report. Do you ever, I, I want to get into all the things that are you, but do you, as a person that is a intuitive and a psychic for, you know, I, that, that word always brings up such connotations, which is a bummer because, sure. you know, but f- for you to be who you are, do you ever get in your own way or do you think, oh, maybe. Well, this- sometimes I do. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, sometimes I Sometimes I do get in my own way. That's why I don't read my own cards, because I have a tendency to go, well, this is what I feel, but nope, that's not what it means. That's not what it means. That's really not what it means. That's not what it means. So I don't read, I don't read for myself. But I, I do feel that as someone who has foresight, or whether it's psychic ability or not, whatever one addresses it as, um, I do feel like you have to have a certain amount for yourself. You have to, you have to kind of know your direction. Otherwise, your ship will be tossed at sea. Amen to that, brother. Let's start at your beginnings. Where did you grow up? I grew up in mid in Missouri, uh, in the Midwest, right in the in the where the four states meet: Kansas, Arkansas, Oklahoma, uh, Kansas, Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Missouri. Right, right there where they all connect. Were you a peculiar child or normal? Oh, I was a very strange child. I was very strange. Um, when I was a little boy, I remember, you know, people have always asked me, well, where's that accent from? Where's that accent from? And I don't really know, except for the fact that when I was, when I was a little boy, um, my, I, I was in love with England. I, I loved PBS. It was sort of my escape. Everything was beautiful. Even though it was fiction, it was so beautiful. And I remember... The, the principal of the school when I was about, uh, oh God, maybe seven. She says, why do you love England? And I said, because I love England. She says, you wouldn't if you went there. I said, well, I love it. She said, well, I was there and they were rude. I said, well, that's not my England. She said, she said well, when I was there, they said, oh, you Americans, when are you going to speak proper English? And I said, well, when are you going to speak proper English? I mean, you know, I was, I was seven or eight. How precocious. So I was. So I was, I was an eccentric <laughs> even then. Um, as far as that part goes, as far as a psychic goes, I, I, I didn't even know that's what it was. But I grew up uh, in the Pentecostal movement. So in, in the Pentecostal faith, you believe in seers, you believe in miracles, you believe in prophets, they call them. Not psychics, but prophets. So, you know, that's that no longer suits who I am, but that was, it, it did lay a foundation when did you start to realize that you had abilities that maybe other people weren't in tune with? Well, you know, I, I can't remember a time that I didn't know things. Um, one of my favorite stories was when I was four, almost five, my father had French polio, Guillain-Barre, and he went to the hospital. He ended up by going into a coma and he died. But he was out for, you know, five minutes or so, but he was brought back. And everyone was asking, they said, what do you want for your birthday? What do you want for your birthday? What do you want for your birthday? And I said, my father is coming home for my birthday. And they would go, oh, bless. Oh, bless. Oh, oh, bless. And after he, I, I should tell you the story of my father, but that's, that's a little bit later on, maybe. But uh, my father ended up by coming home the day and the night before my birthday. 
And my mother said, well, honey, aren't you excited? Your, your daddy came home for your birthday. And I said, I knew he was. Why would I be excited about it? And then I said, I remember saying, and I'll have him for 20 more years, a little more, but 20 more years. And then he died the last time, two days, a day and night after my 25th birthday. Wow. Did that freak you out as a kid at all? Just normal? No. I just thought, I, in those days, I thought that everyone had that sort of, I just thought everyone had it. I didn't know. I just, I would. I would talk to ghosts, I would talk to dead people, and I would say, oh, well, this and this and this happened, and this happened. And they go, how do you know that? And I went, I just know. I don't know. I, I don't know. Did you have imaginary, quote-unquote, friends? Did you have people that... That was the strange thing. I didn't have imaginary friends that were... I, I, did, I, I would see dead people, but I... I my, my, my mother is Native American, so for her, it, it wasn't too farly too far strange um so that was you know that was kind of a it did, wasn't too strange did they foster it in you no not really my mother it's so funny um my father was a was a minister and my mother was uh, native american cherokee and dutch but you know that was generations ago and um my my mother always had she always knew things she always had insight my sister was the same you could walk into a room on my father's side you could walk into a room and my my mother would know things about you my sister would know things about you um on my father's side there's a long line of witchcraft there's a long line of uh, being heretics that in fact we were here in the 1640s they were the french protestants the huguenots so there is a long line of you know they, even though they were protestant there was still dabblings in the occult and where my father would just sort of he would just sort of laugh and he would say well the bible says and then he would say but the bible you know, the bible also says this um but my mother growing up you know she she was born in, in 1939 and then she she would in the 1950s she worked for zenith television she would manufacture televisions and people started coming to her, they would say, well, what do you know about this and this and this? What do you know about me? What do you know about this? And my mother would say, oh, well, let me go dream about it. I'll tell you what I dreamt. So she would, she would go and she would dream and she would come back and she would say, this is what I saw. The problem was that people started calling her witch. And even though I don't have a problem with the word, my mother being an evangelical Christian, even way back in the 50s, was, you know, witches in the Bible are punished by God and they're, they're doomed to, to hell. So she was afraid of that. So she, my mother put on her blinders. No, no. She said, no, no, no more. Did she want you to put on your blinders as well? Well, you know, there was a funny time. She, she, was, she was usually pretty, sometimes she would see things and sometimes, well, I, I, I saw a shadow figure that she later she later clarified that she too had been seeing it and uh we didn't really talk about it a whole whole lot but after i moved out i had some instances where i would encounter people as real as you are as real as i am i would talk to them i would have interactions with them and then they would disappear i wouldn't see them i would go and i i told my mother i said you know you know how those crazy people on the street corner are screaming at people that nobody else sees and I said, I wonder, sometimes 
I see people and I wonder if other people can see them. And my mother said, oh, don't say that. Don't say that. People will think you're crazy. And I said, yeah, they'll think I'm crazy. I don't care what they think. I, it's funny that you bring that up because I often say that the people that you see talking to themselves, I think they're quite possibly talking to real things that we just don't see. I agree completely. Because the thing is, um, there are those who are naturally open to other dimensions, other spirits, other realms. And then there are those, um, oftentimes it is believed that medications, drugs, uh, even legal or illegal ones can affect the brain. And that can trigger a part in your in your psyche that where you can see things that others don't. Um, in fact, in Buddhism, in, in Buddhism, they, he talk, they talk about, they want you to sort of take these hallucinogen, hallucinogenic drugs to sort of open up and commune with the universe. So, right, and the shamans and all that good natured stuff. Sure. Yeah. When, when you were young and would communicate with uh, people or things of other realms, did they have anything interesting to say or was it mostly the mundane? Well, you know, it's really funny. I don't really remember anything, um, any, anything that they actually said. But one of, my, one of my stories was when I lived in Greece. And this was I, was, I was 20, oh goodness, I think I was 25. I was living in, in Greece. I was a Freddie Mercury impersonator. I was performing in this nightclub. And I was, I was, I performed, I think 11 o'clock was when, when I got off stage. And I went back to the, the, the mile back to my little cabin I was renting. And I thought, there's something strange. There's something strange. I need to go back. I need to go back. I don't know what it is. I, there's something strange. So I went back down. I thought, well, maybe I'm hungry. So I sat down at this little cafe and I, I ate some French fries, as most Americans would say, but in England, they're chips. But uh, I, I sat down and had a plate of French fries. And I went, there's something really weird. I just feel there's something not right. I think I need to go to the beach. So I went down to the beach and I just kept hearing this voice, go further, go further, go further down the beach, go further down the beach, go further. Well, I passed these, I was on this island, first of all, for six months. And it was a little town, uh, Sidari Corfu. So it's a little town, Sidari, on the Isle of Corfu. Yes. You know of it? Yes, yes. It's such a beautiful place, but I went further down the beach, and they had the the sunbeds, the the lawn, the you know the the, the sunbeds, the the yeah, sure. And they were all stacked up, and I passed these big Greek boys. One was sitting at the water's edge, one was standing, and I started to meditate on the universe and the goddess, and open my mind to energies and things that may or may not be, and and. Um, my eye caught this man and this woman swimming out in the sea and they were laughing and they were splashing and they, they were having a great time. And then I, I went back and I started focusing. I just, I, I did, I did some breathing and I just focused on the sea. And before I knew it, this woman was running in front of me. She, her hair was wet. She was holding her shoes and behind her was a man who was threatening and he was screaming, come back here, he's calling her all kinds of names, harlot, whore, things I wouldn't want to say to a public. But he, he was saying these things. And I thought, okay, I need to, I need to remember this situation. I need, to, I need to focus on this. Well, he went by me. And the next thing I know, he's got her down on the ground and he's hitting her over the head with his bag of takeout. 
and he's screaming slag whore, horrible names. And I, I stood up and I, I put my hands on my hips, like very broad, as broad as I could. And he looks up at me and he says, mind your business. I'm having a fight with a missus. And I said, I, I used an expletive or two, but I said, don't touch her. And he came running at me. He said, I can kill you. I'm bigger than you are. I can rip you in half. I can rip you in half. I can kill you. I said, hold that thought. I went over to these Greek men and I said, excuse me. Hi, come with me. And I put one on either side and I said, don't effing touch her. So she goes to walk off. He kicks her. She falls flat on her back. And I said, hey, these two Greek boys start swooping in. And he looks up, he looks at me, he's got this look of sheer, unadulterated terror on his face, and he runs off. I reach my hand down, and I pick her up, and she says, no, he could have killed you, that's embarrassing. He could have killed you, he could have killed you, I'm so he's bigger than you are. And she, says, she looks up at me, and she says, oh, I'm so embarrassed. You're Freddie Mercury, I was going to go see your show, I'm so embarrassed. You weren't supposed to see this. And I said, no, it's fine. She says, but what were you doing alone on the beach at 3 o'clock in the morning? I said, I was here for you, I was here for him. And I'm telling you, he has a son, and that son was going to lose his father tonight. I don't know what, much about it. She said, yeah, it's from another girl, it's not mine. But, but again, what were you doing alone on the beach at 3 o'clock in the morning? I said, well, I was here for you, and I was here for him. Well, we ta I talked to her for a good half an hour or so. And then he comes, he comes back, and he's very shy and very quiet. She gets all anxious, and I said, no, it's fine. He says, I won't hurt you. He, I said, I know that. I wasn't afraid of you half an hour ago. Why would I be afraid of you now? He said, that's what I want to talk about. I said, you, go back to the hotel. Go, it's fine. I'm going to talk to him now. So he comes back and he says, I'm bigger than you are, and I really could have hurt you. What, what were you doing alone on the beach at 3 o'clock in the morning? I said, well, I was here for you. I was here for her. I was here for your son. And I said, and I got to tell you, when you went by, there was something that I saw that disturbed me. And it was, uh, I saw a hand and I saw water running under the tap and there was a knife and there was a lot of blood. His face went pale and he said, well, um, the thing is, she comes from an abused home, an abusive home. Her father was abusive, used to rape her, was abusive to her, and the mother had all she could take and the mother took a butcher knife from the kitchen and... I said, well, look, I don't know if that's what I was seeing or if I was seeing what might happen to you or her. I don't know. I just saw the knife. I saw blood. That's what I saw. So, you know, the thing is, I, I, it wasn't until sometime afterwards, I didn't realize that they had both asked me, what were you doing alone on the beach at three o'clock in the morning? And I remembered when I saw him running off in the, in the periphery, he was running off alone. There was nobody with him. So, I, I, I'm of the opinion, of the belief that they did not see what I saw. Interesting. Wow. They didn't see the two boys that helped you? Nope. And I was on that island for six months, and I had never seen them before or afterwards. Ooh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and I sat there. My goodness, I sat there from 11, uh, 11.15 until 3 o'clock in the morning, and those Greek men didn't even move. They didn't say a word the entire time. They were just waiting for you to call on them. Yeah, they were just 
they were just there. Wow. Isn't that interesting? I love that. I'm sure you have had so many experiences and stories with people. And I think, again, when I say the word psychic, and I know that people have an immediate response to that word, you help or uh, people come sure. their mind is full of, of clouds and static. And I often say, you know, there's nothing that anyone is going to tell you that you don't already know. Exactly. But the, I tell them that too. Yeah, the static in your head may be just so loud that you can't find that clarity. Yeah. And you are like a lighthouse. In, in a way, I guess. Yeah, well, and that's what I do. I really enjoy, I enjoy what I do. People come here and they can talk to me about things. And sometimes really all it requires is for them to know they're not crazy. <laughs> it requires someone to say, this is the way things are. You're not crazy. These are things that you know, but it is, it, you are, it, sometimes I liken it to this. Expressionistic paintings. If you stand back and admire, you can see all of the colors and the paints and the and the, the it, it it melds together to form a beautiful painting. But if you're too close to it, all you see is a bunch of dots, a bunch of spots of paint. That's a great analogy. What do you say to people who might have a comment of, well, if if there are such things as people that know things like this, why don't they know, say, that there's a global pandemic going to happen or that someone's going to get hit by a car and... Generally, my response to that is, well, because you're not supposed to know everything. Otherwise, we'd all, you know, be lottery winners or whatever. And, and that's just it, too, is that I, when, I, when I tell someone what I see, I am always strict on the fact that these are potential outcomes only. This, I do not deal in absolutes because you have free will. If, for instance, I were to tell you right now, you're going to go outside and a bird is going to mess on your head you would either wear a hat or carry an umbrella or go out the back door or not go out at all. You affect that. And another way of, of analogy is this. So there are things that can happen, but imagine, if you will, you are in New York City. You are watching Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. It's a big parade, and from the street level, all you can see is the band in front of you, the balloon that just left around the corner, and a, a, a marching band or a float that's coming around the other side. Now imagine if you were taken right now into the air, and you're in the same time as that on the ground, and from your perspective in that helicopter, now you can see the entire parade route. And from that perspective, this is the way it looks like it's going to happen. But there are things that can happen out of the blue. Back in the 90s, the Barney balloon got punctured and had to be removed. But if you were watching from the air, you would not, you would have had the thought, well, this is, if you continue this way, this is the way that you're going to go. But things can happen. There can be, there can be a gas main that blows. The, there can be a heart attack. The Grand Marshal could have a heart attack. Or a marching band could turn right instead of left. Could it happen? Yes. Will it happen? Probably not. But those are those are possibilities. So for me, there are things that I do see, and it's more of this is likely the outcome. Uh, I follow you on Instagram. It's a delightful account, The Gentleman Psychic, which I love that as well. And uh, you, you have a YouTube channel that you refer to uh, a lot, and you do these videos that are really intriguing. And they're... they're um, they're straight off of a like an FX show or a sci-fi show or something, which, which is great, which I'm sure that's what you're going for. And uh, 
you the other day you talked about the shadow people and when i heard that word it immediately brought me back to my childhood and the this this hat man and uh followed me throughout my childhood was terrified and as i got more scared of it it got bigger uh-huh. and uh, i remember even the day i sent it away and that my cat saw it too because my cat hissed at it uh-huh. um but whoa boy when i saw this i was like oh, somebody else sees those you know it's so weird when things like that when you you have this really specific memory from your childhood and then other people are like oh i saw that i saw that too uh-huh. There's got to be something to that if kids from all over, I don't know if it's just children, but. Well, I, I think that when, like I said, children can see things, animals can see things because they're in a, they're in a different state of mind. When I lived in San Francisco, there was, um, I lived in, in one of those shotgun row houses on the, on the top floor. Now I was, I had roommates, I was living in the back room and I would always hear strange things because the internet would only work in the family room. So I would have to go sit in there. And one day I I was sitting there, my flatmate had cats and the cats automatically start looking around the room. There's one on one side of the room, one on the other, and their eyes are following simultaneously an object that I couldn't see. And then this is where it got strange is that I started hearing something in my from through the kitchen in my bedroom. And I, I, I went back and I opened the door and my chair that was beside the door was sitting in front of the door. My running shoe from my bed was taken and put, oh my, no, my jewelry box from my, my bedside table was put on the 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 chair and my running shoe was on the jewelry box i went i went to the one who was the leaseholder and i said um what's this about and she goes oh uh uh well i you know there are some the, the person who lived here before me uh he he committed suicide and so people are you know there's there's some strangeness here. What do you think about the concept that, that there's the unfinished business? Do you believe in that? I do believe in unfinished business. I do believe that sometimes energies will hold on. Um, because in my worldview, energy cannot be created nor destroyed. It only changes form. So we are mostly water. And it, water is intelligent. It, is, it, ha- it doesn't have a lot of memory, but it has one one millionth of a millisecond worth of memory. And when we, as humans, project that energy, those vibrations into the walls, into the wood, and into the stone, and into the, the, the masonry, and into, into these materials, they, they, they grab onto it. And sometimes it can, it can play, play through. So where you have, where there are places where there are people who have died tragic deaths, oftentimes that's where it's haunted. Churches, theaters, those oftentimes are haunted because there's a lot of emotion that's going on in there. Um, but I, I do believe that sometimes people can say, I, I, I just, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. And then, unfortunately, they allow themselves to be trapped. So that is one of the things that I do is I say, okay, you know, I'll talk to you, I've seen you, I, it's, I, I, it's fine. I'll, I'll be your friend. You can stay here as long as you like. But really, I'm certain there's, there's better waiting for you if, you if you would just let go. Who do you think the shadow people are for those listening? 
Well, shadow people. I had an encounter. I'd, I've had several encounters with shadow people. Um, sometimes they are interdimensional beings where they are, well, you know of, what is it called? Antimatter, black, uh, black matter, it's the dark matter. So the, there's more of that than there is of what we, what we can see. There's more, there's more of that than this. So every part has a counterpart. It is believed that there is a multiverse, so that all of our, our universe is actually a duplicate of a duplicate of a, So there's all of these little bubbles that are colliding. It is possible that some of them have merged together and so that you are seeing reflections, you are seeing shadows, you are seeing, or they could be cognitive, they could very well. If you are in the, we are in the third dimension, but as we look down into flat land of the two dimension, then that, we, they wouldn't understand a three-dimensional world. They can see lines, they can't, they can't see up or down. So if there is something from the fifth dimension, sixth dimension, or greater, we wouldn't understand and our mind would try to interpret it so that's a possibility there it also could be you know some people believe that they're demons some people believe that they are um, poltergeists or it's your own energy that's pent up that is projected outward and frankly they're all a possibility and and that's that's where i lay is is in the possibilities i i'm in in that ground of it could be but that doesn't affect what i do I came to the belief myself that um, that they were a manifestation of my own fear and terror and sadness uh, because my childhood had some intense moments and I think that I, because I noticed that as I got bigger, it got bigger. Mm-hmm. Which seems reflexive, right? That is oftentimes the case. Um, part of the problem, too, is amateur ghost hunters who are, you know, trying to, trying to hunt down these, these spirits and you'll watch them and they'll, they'll, they'll scream. They'll try to get these reactions. They'll try, get out, you know, come at me, come at me, or, or attack me, attack me. Or they, they, have, they themselves are full of anxiety and full of, and the, these energies, they grow on that. So when, you, when, you're, when you're giving that vibration out, they're feeding on it and they're growing and they get bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, the last time I saw it, like I said, my cat saw it too. I um, I was just so fed up, and I had finally stepped into my own power. And I remember rolling over. This is when I had left left home and and went to school. And I rolled over, and it was you know I knew it was in the room, and I could feel it. And then my cat hissed, and I turned and I said, "Get the fuck out of here!" And I never saw it again. Well, and that's the thing too in in the in that realm is that you have to stand your ground. Um, I lived in Hollywood for a little time in a little studio apartment. It was cute, little nineteen twenties apartment, and strange things started happening. Now I didn't see the shadow people here, but things would be moved. I would hear people. I was on the top floor, and and there was no way you uh, people were not on the roof. There was nobody below me. And I would hear people walking in my apartment behind me. My, my closet door would open up and shut. And I, I even caught a full body apparition of a man standing by my closet. And so one morning, about three o'clock in the morning, the, the closet door opened as it usually did. The doorknob would turn the clo- and I heard the footsteps. And this being walked over to my bed. He picked up the corner of the bed and he slammed it to the ground. Loud vibration. And I said, I sat up in bed and I said, okay, now I'm done. 
I have played nice with you. I have been kind with you. I am the one who is paying the rent. And if I don't pay the rent, you don't live here either. So if you're going to be here, you have to be nice. If you're not going to be nice, get out. So the next day, a friend came over and he goes, wow, it feels different in here. It feels really, something is, I mean, it looks the same, but it feels different. I went, oh yeah, I, I told the, the, the closet spirit it had to go. Do you believe in God? I do not believe in God per se. I believe in God as a construct. I believe, um, in fact, myself, I have, I have statues to many deities. Um, I, I have Buddha, I have Hanuman, I have Zeus, I have many, many deities, even some Christian ones that I just think are beautiful. Um, and for me, it represents, these stories represent what you can do in and of yourself. So technically, I'm an atheist. I do believe in energies. I do believe in perspective. I, is there an old white-haired man in the sky with a beard? No. Is there, is there a six-armed goddess in the sky? Probably not. But these energies exist, and we have, people have given them power. So you can sort of appeal to them because it's, it, it is personal, and it is what um, the, the power of the mind is, is more powerful than we would even imagine. It's, we, we, we can create, well, you know, as Shakespeare said, the, the, the creatures of the id creatures of the mind well and just as me as a small child was feeding whatever that thing was my own mm -hmm. fear and terror i think that any god would be more empowered by anyone praying to it so sure. the more people that believe in it the stronger it becomes and then it actually manifests into a being so maybe exactly maybe because it's the opposite it's of genesis mind. yeah it's like the opposite of genesis instead of it being there was nothing and then there was this being that created all things maybe there was something and that we created the being. Precisely, precisely. And, and a case in point with that is our current situation. Now, if people want to be evangelical Christian, you know, I, I'm all about you be whatever you want to do as long as you don't force your thoughts and opinions on other people, you don't vote on their rights, believe whatever you want to believe. However, evangelical Christians are praying for the apocalypse. They are praying for the end of the world. They, they, they want it to happen. And by doing so, now we've got global warming out of control and we've got pandemics and we've got, we've got wars and we've got nuclear war. So it, it, they, as a hive mind, the, these vibrational frequencies, they are giving power to something that, would not have actually happened had they not have had this book. And, and another, another point, too, is Zozo, the Zozo demon. The Zozo demon, if, if, you, if you're not familiar, the Zozo demon is supposed to be a demon that comes through the Ouija board. And he will, when you go through, it'll, fi it'll figure eight, and then it'll go back and forth. Zozo, Zozo. And then a sign that he's there is that oftentimes people will become possessed, they'll start laughing uncontrollably. It's a, it's a trickster spirit. Now, there is, before the internet age, Zozo does not appear anywhere in any of the occult books anywhere. They link it to Pazuzu, who was a deity in Mesopotamia, and of course got got renowned in the 1970s the exorcist so they think pazuzu is zozo but zozo did not exist before the internet age if people 
is it is it in my opinion that people are getting possessed by something possibly yes because they are giving it power they are saying oh well you know, it, it didn't exist before but now oh now i believe you i believe you exist i believe you exist i believe you exist and that's enough to build this energy and let it grow yeah absolutely i i never heard the zozo i i guess on a ouija board that's written in the corner right that word or something? Well, no, it just goes back and forth between the Z and the O. Oh. So I haven't seen it. And you know, that's and for me, Ouija boards always is the connotation of junior high school sleepovers. You know. Well, I have a beautiful one that I absolutely love. Mine is a. Uh, the artist just emailed me because I bought this way back in 2019, and uh, when I do it, when I do a séance, I can't remember the artist's name, but he, it's it's a it's a reproduction of a of a 19th century board. And uh, for me, it's a great tool. I, I just think, you know, if, the, if, if there are tools out there, use them. You don't have to be afraid of them. Some people can go, oh, it's that, so Jesus, you know, it's, it's a board. But I, I enjoy using the Ouija board. What is an experience that you have had where you thought maybe you were a little out of your depth? Well, you know what? The funny thing is, I'm, that has not happened in a very long time. Because again, it's it's about your comfort level. It's about being a. It's about the energy you give these things. So I don't. When when I find a negative energy, I just don't give it the time of day. However, I will say that when I didn't really know what I was. I didn't really know who I was. I didn't really know. I, I, I was in my early 20s. I didn't know. I thought everyone knew things. Well, in Miami, Oklahoma, or as they like to say there, Miami, I, I kid you not, they call it Miami. It's spelled Miami, but they, they call it Miami, Oklahoma. And um, in Miami, Oklahoma, there is this beautiful theater built in the 1920s. Beautiful. It looks like a Parisian opera house. It was it was um, it was condemned. It was abandoned in the 1950s sometime, and then it was it was condemned in the 60s, 70s. They were going to they were going to, to bulldoze it. One man saved it, but it was right on Route 66, and they were in the process of restoring. So many ghost ghost experiences there, but one this one in particular. I was on a tour. I went up to the ballroom, which was in disarray. They they were they had done. The majority of the of the the theater part, but they were working on the ballroom. And uh, my tour guide says, "Hey, come back here. I want to show you something." And I went. I said, "Okay." Takes me to a door. He says, "Go in, check it out." And I went, "No, mm-mm, no, no, mm-mm." He says, "Why not?" I went, "Mm-mm, I can't." He says, "I'll give you a light." I went, "No, you won't. There is no amount of money that will allow me to go in there. I can't go in there. I can't." He said, "Why not?" I said. I don't know. I just, I can't go in there. He said, well, that's really funny. We've had psychics and they won't go in there either. I didn't know I was psychic. I would have laughed at you back then if you would have said I was psychic. Well, how did that moment change you then? Obviously, it set you on a particular trajectory. Well, I mean, I, I, I just thought it was intriguing. I thought, oh, hmm, I wonder why. That's so funny that people who have special gifts who are sensitive they won't go in there i wonder why i i never found out why my intuition tells me that see that the theater's on route 66 and there were rum runners that would go through from from the east to the west because it was route 66 highway so even though there were major celebrities that would 
of the day who would who would play at the theater, there were also Bonnie and Clyde and Al Capone and and um, the, the many of the famous gangsters went through, and they. I'm certain Mr. Coleman, the 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 builder of this theater, was not always above board. Some shenanigans. Well, and you know the thing is, the house, his mansion, was was raised a long time ago, but there was a tunnel that went underground from his house to the theater and to the bank across the street. <laughs> his own personal ATM. <laughs> well, and and also it was something like. If memory serves me, it was something like $1.7 million it cost to construct it way back in like 1928. That's a lot of money today. That's a lot of money in, in 1928. Have you come across in, uh, when you've done readings for people, especially since you're in places like bars and things, um, where you thought, this is not a good person? Yeah. There's been times where um, I've had people come to me, and I will say, usually I will, I usually I will shuffle the cards. I'll cleanse them. I'll shuffle them, and then I will hand them to the person, and I'll say, mix them until you stop. Mix them until the energies tell you to stop. But sometimes I've had people, and I go, I'm not letting you touch my cards. I'm not letting you touch them. And on a couple of times, I've gone. I've shuffled them and laid things out and gone, oh, get out, get out. Here's your money back. Get out. I don't, I can't get out. Just get out. What is it you see in those cases? Well, it's, it varies. It varies. I mean, sometimes it's just intense anxiety. Um, one such person was so intense and so much anxiety. Um, the first thing is this person had come to me one time when I was early out and, and, and didn't pay. And I went, okay, well, okay. She says, oh, I don't have any money. And I went, okay, well, you knew that I was starting out. This is supposed to be donation-based. That was what this day was for, but okay, that's fine. And then she stays, and she stays, and she stays, and she stays. And then she she sends me a message many months later, and she says, okay, so I've got to come back in. I've got to, I, I feel like I opened a portal, and someone down in, in West Hollywood said I opened a portal to the devil when I had a psychic reading, and you were the only one. And I went, well, you didn't, but okay. And she said, well, I, I want to come back to you. And I went, but you know, I, I don't work for free and you didn't before. She said, well, I, I want, I want to come back and I, I and I, I want to come back. And I went, no, it's really fine. Well, she ended up by retroactively paying me. And I went, okay, all right, I'll give you a second shot. Okay. When she came in, she was erratic and she was a mess and I, I told her, I said, you've got to clean your house. I, I feel like you've got to clean this. You've got, you've got some energy, girl. You've got, to, you've got to clean this. And then she, it was excuse after excuse after excuse. And I went, ah, I'm done. Just have a nice day. Get out. <laughs> what are all the things that you are capable of? What are your gifts? Well, you know, it varies by the, by the instance, but uh, I do... I do seances where I, I've contacted grandmothers, I, I've contacted celebrities. Um, even one of my favorites was I, I, Jack Parsons. Uh, yeah, that was a, he was a fun one. I contacted Jack. Uh, what did he have to say? Well, you know what? The funny thing was, this was funny. So I did a seance with, with 
with some people. They they weren't really certain of who they wanted to contact. And I had already before I had contacted Jack and he was he was talking about the end of the world and the rise of robots and, and I went, Okay, science fiction, but okay, I can see where you would think that okay, great. Well, so I already dealt with the energy and then this group they wanted a seance, they they all come in and we, I, they've got their hands on the board and I I don't I don't touch the board because I don't want to be accused of being the one to move it. So I step back and I say, Okay, I'm back here. I'm not touching the board that whatever happens is happening. I'm not controlling it from there. So the board spells out, I said, who's here? And the board spells out JP. And the girl to my, my right says, JP Morgan? I went, no, it's Jack Parsons. I know because I've dealt with him before. Hello, Jack. He says, join in. Okay. All right. I, I, so I put my hands on the board. And I said, okay, Jack, what do you want from me? And he spells out book, B-O-O-K. He's not the only spirit to tell me I needed to write a book. I said, okay, I get it. I'm supposed to write a book. And then he spells out um, XJ, XJ700 or XJ900. The numbers are a little off for me right now. I can't really remember. Uh, but anyway, and I went, I don't know what that means. I don't, I don't know what that means. And one of the fellows says, well, maybe it's a rocket. And I went, oh, yeah, I guess it could be. And so I said, okay, Jack, I understand rocket science, rockets, get it. I'm not a rocket scientist. What do you want? And he spells out H.H. Holmes. This other woman goes, oh, oh, that's scary, H.H. Holmes, the serial killer. Oh, that's scary. That's really scary. And I said, well, I played H.H. Holmes twice, so maybe, maybe he's seeing that. And then it spelled out book again. And I went, okay. So they leave. Come to find out, when they left, the XJ900 or whatever it was, was an experimental rocket that came out after he had, uh, he, he, after his death in 1950. Was it 50? Yeah, 1950. Uh, it, was, it was an experimental rocket that they had taken plans from him and they built this rocket. The book, I found, I googled, book, H.H. H. Holmes, um, Jack Parsons. It turns out there was a book in the 1940s by Anthony Boucher, who went by the pen name of H.H. H. Holmes. And in this book, it's, it's, a, it's science fiction, film noir, 1940s, and it's loosely based on real characters here in Los Angeles in the 1940s. They end up by going to Pasadena, where he lived. They end up by seeing this rocket experiment, and uh, the main thing he was trying to tell me is in this whole series of murders, this, this police officer gets involved with fiction writers. And they join this manana club because they're fiction, that's science fiction, and it's the Tomorrow Club. But also, hey, you've got a book you're working on. How's it going tomorrow? Manana, I'll work on it tomorrow. So Jack was basically telling me, Write that book. Write oh, that. Are you going to write it now? Are you going to write it tomorrow? Are you going to write that book? Are you going to write it tomorrow? They do definitely have senses of humor, I feel. that It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they certainly do. You know, oftentimes when someone is dead, they, they retain much of their own personality because it's just that energy that they are, they're just holding on to it. So sometimes they can, if, if, if you can be a prick in, in, in real life, you're probably a prick in, in the afterworld. <laughs> How do you feel about reincarnation? 
I, I firmly believe in reincarnation because again, energy cannot be created nor destroyed. It only changes form. And uh, my, my point on this, and they say, oh, but there's more people now than there ever were. There's more dead now than there ever were. How does this happen? Well, for me, when I think about the global warming, how, how the earth goes through these cycles. So it'll, it'll warm up, it'll warm up. Man has caused it tragically to warm up beyond where it should be but it'll warm up it'll warm up it'll warm up and then it'll freeze and it'll warm up it'll warm up it'll warm up so there are there are people that have been trapped for a millennia in the ice they were never people before as people begin as people get as there's more people there's more global warming the more global warming the more people the more the more global warming the less ice there is it's this cycle because we are, it has, the water has to go from one place to another. Now there are people, there are, I personally feel, there are people who have been reincarnated multiple, multiple, many times. I also believe that it is possible, yes, you, you are definitely one who is very old. I do believe too that it is possible for you to be someone whom had been reincarnated and someone who was two different people sort of merging together. So you can have these memories of this place and time, but they're slightly off because you're also from another place, some other person. Because it's, it's energies that just, they sort of found things that were similar and they they merged together in the, in the I cosmos. I love that concept. That's a fun idea. My mom, when she went to Greece for the first time, when she was younger, she said... She went there prepared to be lost and all that. She had maps and all this stuff. But the minute she landed, she said she tossed the map. She knew exactly where she was going at all times, as if she had been there a million times before. Exactly. And I feel like she was. Where are you with Satan and demons? Well, you know, I am a Satanist. I don't believe in a literal devil. I don't believe in Satan. Um, I balk at the idea of... Well, first of all, about Satanism. S Satan is like the Buddhists believe. They may, they may not believe the Buddha is God, but it's a symbol. They're, they're atheistic. He was probably a person. It, it helps me to meditate. It, it helps me to connect. So that's sort of Buddhism. Satanism, modern Satanism is the same way. I don't believe in the devil, but it, the symbol of, of not obeying arbitrary rules, the symbol of... Uh, of of not, of not taking for granted, of not taking advantage of, 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 of taking care of yourself, of, of not, of, of not harming something unless you intend to eat it or you're, you're threatened. So there's, there, it's a construct where I, I really latch onto that. As far as demons go, I feel like there's, this is an interesting subject because where I do believe in interdimensional beings, I don't necessarily believe that demons are all of these horned gorgons. I don't, I don't really believe that at all. In fact, what I do believe is that there are demons all over the world that are considered demons. In, in the Asianic countries, they call demons, they, they can be malevolent or benevolent, they can, they, can, they can be somewhere in between. But in the West, we, have, we think of demon, we think of anti-good, we think of anti-God, we think of uh, things that want to drag you to hell and torture you. But it's sort of like, if you have a, if you have a, a child, and you tell that child every day, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad, 
then it's going to come a point in that person's life, in that child's life, when that's the way that child sees itself. And it doesn't matter what you say, how many things you, how you try to correct it, it's been told it's bad so long that it starts behaving badly. And, and energies are the same way. Demons, demons are the same way. But I also feel, too, it's kind of like a dog. It's kind of like um, dogs will try, they, they, they oftentimes try to show they're the alpha. I'm the, I'm the big dog. I'm the big guy. I'm the big guy. And they can feel your fear. If you, if you are screaming and flailing your arms, you're going to get bitten. But if you stand your ground and you speak firmly and softly and calmly and don't make sudden movements, eventually you'll get to the point where that dog will grow accustomed to you and it's, it won't be a bad dog. It's, Just about it's, a, it's a very interesting analogy. I do. My personal belief is that there are particular um, boundaries that... that the world, the universe, the uh, dimensions, whatever, must abide by. And it's about owning one's own dominion. Sure. So I think that's kind of what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's again, it's just like, um, well, there's a water. Everything is about water. So water and vibrations. There was a, a water study called, in fact, it was called the water study. And this man in, in some European, uh, I'm sorry, Asian country, he took three containers of water from the same source, the same, everything, everything was the same. He took rice from the same source, three different containers. He put the same amount, each of them, each of them got the same light. Each of them got the same amount of, of open air, whatever it may be. And the first one, every day he blessed, he said, Domer Anagatu, I bless you. The second one, he said, you're ugly, you're an idiot, every single day. And the third one, he ignored. At the end of 30 days, the one that he had said, I bless you, it had turned an amber color, and it was fermenting, and it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful fragrance. The second one had turned brown, and it was not as pleasant, but the one that he ignored completely had turned black with the mold, and it was starting to rot. Because... Positive energy is better than negative energy, but negative energy is better than no energy. I, I absolutely believe in that, too. There have been a lot of studies with that with plants. There was a, um, I think it was in the 70s, it was a, in, a, in a school where they had the different plants under the glass, and they told the kids, be nice to this plant, be mean to this plant, and again, ignore that plant. And the same results, one blossomed, one got kind of dingy, and the other one just... Die. Because it's all about, it's about water, it's about vibrations. Our bodies are 80% water. water. Water, every drop of water that is here on this planet has been here since before we formed an atmosphere. Every single drop. It's so cool to think about that, isn't it? It's like, th you know, when I think about that we are made out of stars, I, I love It's stardust. That. Yeah. A, lot of, a, a little stardust and a lot of water. I love it. That's the name of your book right there. You know, that's not a bad idea. That's not <laughs> a bad idea. <laughs> I would read that book. Absolutely. Well, maybe that, maybe that is the name of the book. I, I do like that. Yeah, I, I love that. I wrote little notes down here. So I just, um, oh, yes. 
Now, I have not seen this on your YouTube because I didn't get a chance to look at all of the YouTube videos when I discovered you had a YouTube channel. Um, but you had said something about the ghost of a serial killer, and I got to watch. I, I I got to watch a little blip of it, and so I don't even know if you were telling a story or if you were telling an experience. No, this, this was an experience. This was. You can go over there and watch. But uh, for those of you who are listening, uh, it is. I actually encountered Richard Ramirez after he was dead. It was on. It was the anniversary of of his last kill, and it was. That one was very interesting. I was actually coming back from Beetle House, and I there he was walking in the bushes with no legs, and he had black eyes, and I went, "Whoa, that is Richard Ramirez." I just saw Richard Ramirez, and I was actually really grateful. I was in the Mercedes and not in my classic car. My classic car is an open air car, and. The- <laughs> And the Mercedes is, it, it is a convertible, but the top is broken. So uh, I was like, oh, thankfully, I, I thankfully my car didn't break down. Thankfully, I was in this car. What do you think, Nelson? Now, that's an interesting thing to think about. What do you think could have happened? Do you think that, and also, what was he exactly? Was that a ghost? Was that a, a memory? Was that a demon? I think it very well could be a memory. Um, Hollywood is is on a, on ley lines. There's ley lines that run all over the world. Hollywood is a major, in fact, even the name Hollywood. It, it's it, it's supposed to be. Um, it's it, it's used in rituals and and uh, it's supposed to be some sort of purity. I'm 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 drawing a blank now, but it is it is on these ley lines. That's what has attracted people, even in the 1840s. That's why even when the Spanish missions were here, they had Spanish missions because there was something about. Los Angeles. There was just this energy. So, especially around Hollywood area, there's a lot of energy. There's a lot of it there. A lot of broken dreams. A lot of a lot of people who walk those streets. A lot of homelessness. A lot of there's a lot of energy. So, in my thought is that since it was the anniversary, I don't think it was a cognitive haunt. I think he was just sort of. It was a reflection, because there are different kinds of hauntings. This one, I feel like it was a broken record. It was a needle on a broken record. Just click, 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 click. That's what I feel. But I was so glad I was was not in the roadster. Do you feel like something could have... I mean, if if something is on that, that memory, a recording of an event... That is, uh, that was so intense that it actually left an imprint, like a footprint. Is it possible for that imprint to interact outside of its its groove? Well, yes and no. Um, there are some strange things. In order for me to tell you that, I have to tell you about a dream that I had. And it, oh, I, do you have a moment? I'll. Tell I would you. love to hear it. If you have so, it, I have it. <laughs> when I was. A, a young person when I was a boy I was so teased and so tormented and so um, I became suicidal in my youth because they would threaten to kick my teeth out and I was I was so weird and I no matter what I did I was always weird I just couldn't I couldn't stop being weird and um, I remember I remember I was 15 
And I had gone into my room. I had a big antique silver mirror, which I realized later on, this is how scrying works. It's the silver that interacts. But anyway, I had this big antique mirror and I had red candles on either side. I lit those candles and I looked in that mirror and I cursed myself. I said, you should have died when you were a child. You should have died when you were nine or ten. You should have died. When you, should have, you should have been aborted. You should have, you should have been aborted. And I cried myself to sleep because it didn't work. But that's not where the story really begins. This is, that was, that was just a, that did happen. But where it really began was many years before I was, I, I lived across the hall from where I did when I was 15. And I was happy and it was, it was in November, things seemed to be going well. And I was very happy. It was nine or 10. And I went to the bathroom I didn't dry my hands when I washed them. I came back to bed and my body began, began to tingle. And from my toes, all the way up, my shins, my thighs, my, all the way up to my hair was standing on edge and I thought I was cold. So I scratched myself to make certain I was awake. Said, wake up, wake up. And that didn't work. Well, the duvet, the cover ripped out of my hands and by my feet, I was pulled out of the bed and held into the air, and I was shaken like this. I was shaken, and I couldn't talk, and I could see my brother, and I said, help me, help me. No one could, I, no one could hear me, and I said, oh, God, help me. In those days, I was a Christian because that was how I was raised, and I went back into the bed, head first. The covers went back up. And then I looked over in the window, and for many years thereafter, when I became a Freddie Mercury impersonator, I thought I had seen Freddie Mercury. I didn't know who Freddie was back in the 90s when he, when he was just, when he was dying. I didn't know who Freddie was. Um, but I saw this man. He crawled up in the window and he smoothed out his mustache like this. And he, I remember I flew into the body and then I had these strange dreams that I'm not going to go into because that's, that's a side note. But even still, there's another story that happened. And I have to tell you all of these sort of in reverse so that it makes sense in a moment. So... Before I was born, my mother was bleeding internally. The doctors advised her, you have to have an abortion. You have to get an abortion because this is not good for you. It's not good for the baby. You have to get one. My mother said, well, let me think about it. She went home and she was bleeding internally. She swelled up double her size like she was having twins. And this woman walked into her room wearing long, flowing red garments and had black wavy hair and the woman said his face and my mother said what's wrong what's wrong with his face she said his face what's wrong is he deformed is he ugly what's what's wrong and the woman said the glory of god shines all over it and my mother goes oh and then she thought who is that woman in my room she opens her eyes the woman is gone so years go by. In fact, it was this last year that I had this dream. This dream. I remember seeing somebody being shaken. I didn't know who it was, but I could see this. I could see the, the feet. I could see, and I could, I could feel that anxiety. I could feel that this person was really trying to destroy whatever person that was. So I went out of the room, and I walked up the steps, and I climbed out and up into the window and I smoothed out my mustache. I didn't have the, I didn't have the goatee. And remember, I didn't have this 
for the la- until the last uh, year, maybe. I didn't have a mustache until then. And I smoothed out my mustache. And when I looked in, there was a woman in red, and she was comforting this little boy version of me. And she looked up and she said, you did this. And 15-year-old me said, no, no, I didn't. No, I would never do that. No, I wouldn't do that. And she said, it is his skin under your fingernails, and it is your teeth marks on his arm. You did this. And then she took this 15-year-old boy, me, in, and she hugged him. So then when I woke up, I realized that I was seeing as an adult watching 15-year-old me curse myself at nine and watching sort of that. So I was, as an adult, interacting with myself as a teenager, interacting with myself as a child, and possibly interacting with myself as a fetus. Time doesn't really exist. It's a construct. It, It... it's how we make, make it make sense, but it doesn't really exist that way. It's not linear. It's not A, B, C, 1, 2, 3. It can be 999,022. 1575. It, it, really, it doesn't actually exist in any real order. Wow, that's an incredible. I had shivers all over my arms. So, so cool. Well, and, and that goes, my friend, to dealing with we all sometimes self-curse. We have these voices in our heads that they never say anything good. They never say how good you look. They never, they never say, they always say, oh, you're going to be late. Oh, you're, you're, you're going to get fired. Oh, they don't like you. Oh, you're going, they're going to break up with you. Oh, this is going to happen. These bad things are going to happen. We have a a tendency to self-curse and the way I have learned to shut it out is, sounds simple and it is, is through breathing. Inhale through the nose, exhale through the mouth. When you exhale through the mouth, that voice cannot talk to you. But you have, people don't understand how that you are able to self-curse, that you can actually look back in your life and you can say, I curse you. And you can actually affect the past and the future. Who do you believe that woman in red was? Well, I've had many encounters with her in my dream world. I have called her Hecate. Whether or not she is the mother goddess, I don't know. Um, It is an energy that I do talk to and I do welcome because sometimes that's what we need is that nurturing. We We need that mother, that nurture. So whether or not she exists in the ether or not, it doesn't matter because that symbol has helped me. Did you forgive yourself in that moment when you experienced that multiverse? Oh, I did. I did. I went, oh, wow. I cannot believe I was so full of pain. I was so full of anger and I, I, I did not know my power. I didn't know. I thought it didn't matter. And it does. Yeah. And so I, I, I did forgive myself, but it was. It's a hard won battle, isn't it? It really is. And we're not getting any help from the outside world. That we're in a- no. And, and that's the thing is that out there in the world, there are so many people who will. They will. They will think bad things about you and they will say bad things about you. And, and there's no need to add to their chorus. <laughs> yes. 
a friend of mine once said to me, and and it changed changed everything in my life. She said, "What other people think about you don't matter." Yeah, doesn't matter. It doesn't. Those doesn't thoughts change your don't. Opinion. Yeah, those thoughts make no mind to you. I've got a video coming out. I, I I haven't. It's it's one of the ones that I'm working on, and it's talking about hate mail and fan art. So I get a lot of hate mail. I'm not going to really go into it because I'm not going to give them a lot of power. Yeah, I get a lot of hate mail. And it's because people, they, you know, they don't understand. Oh, you're a Satanist. Okay, oh, well, I'm going to debate so-and-so. And, and, and then, they, you know, here comes, I'm also a gay Satanist. So here comes all of the slurs. And um, and I go, okay, well, that's funny. But I'm in the video I'm going to be talking, I'm going to be showing some of the art that I have kept throughout the years that people have drawn of me. I've wish I could remember all the people who, who gave me the artwork, but I, I, I'm going to show this artwork and I'm going to talk about remembering things that make you happy. And there are more people in this world who will love you than will hate you. And so focus on that. And even if, I mean, this world is how many millions of people? I don't even know. But It's 8 billion nearly. 8 billion. 8 billion people. We've got 8 billion people on this planet. And how many of them will know you? You even... Not everyone is going to even know an A-list celebrity, so that's fine. What is it anyway? And it, it doesn't matter. You know, get paid and do your thing. It doesn't matter. Well, and I often say that that there is at least, at the very least, one person that you're not even aware of that thinks you are the bee's knees. That is so true. That is so true. I've, I, I've, I've had that experience that I, I didn't know in myself. I've had people who, came, who later on came to me and said, you know, when you said such and such, that really touched me. And, and uh, you know, now I, I no longer feel the way that I did. And I, 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 you, there are people who exist now because, because I gave them a little amount of hope. Yeah, and that's a beautiful thing. And that's what I was saying in the very beginning of our conversation is that... Y- it's it's a gift what you have and if i find it so intriguing that people on one hand are willing to believe in an omnipotent power and then believe somehow that that omnipotent power doesn't have control over giving gifts to people that can help others how sure. is that wrong and you know how sure there are people that i'm sh- take that and and manipulate there are it charlatans. of course there are charlatans absolutely um but you know, there's a lot more good in the world than bad. I agree. Yeah, I truly believe in that. I, d- I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the Freddie Mercury. How in the world? I mean, clearly, if any, when people go to the Gentleman Psychic, uh, they see your pictures, they'll see how much you favor Freddie Mercury. But how did you come into that? Well, it was really funny. Um, I didn't even know who Freddie Mercury was. I was not into pop music. I, I mean, I didn't know. I, I was, I was, I was more into Mozart. I was into classical music. I was into vaudeville, and I had no idea who Freddie was. I, I, I even, I remember them in the gymnasium. They, I remember the, and I went, "What are you people doing? What is this?" And they went, "Oh yeah, it's a really cool song. We love it. it it's like we, we do it all of the the, the, the rallies." And I went. Oh, okay, I guess that's fun. Okay, that's fun. So I didn't know who Freddie was. And um, 
Then I was in Sweet Charity. My God, it was a long time ago. But I was in this play, this little production called Sweet Charity. And I played a menagerie of characters because I, I was in my 20s, but I looked like I was 12. But I played a menagerie of characters, including because it was in the Midwest. And there were not that many minorities, especially in the theater. But there was I played the Spanish man at the, at the, in the opening park scene. And they went, they glued this mustache on me and people went, my God, you look like Freddie Mercury. My God, that's... I went, who is this Freddie? So I started I started listening to Queen music. And I, I went, oh, actually, I really like the music of Queen. It's really good. So I stopped off at a gas station to fill up the tank. And I, I was blasting Bohemian Rhapsody. Now, this was 20 years ago, blasting Bohemian Rhapsody. This woman walks over to me and she says, excuse me. Um, are you listening to that because you like it or is it just on the radio? And I looked and I said, oh, I, I love the music queen, darling. And she says, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I mean, you're Freddie Mercury. I mean, you're not because he's dead. I mean, oh, my God. I mean, you could be him. I mean, you could be his son. I mean, are you sure you're not related? I'm not hitting on you, but oh, my God, you're Freddie Mercury. Oh, my God. So I moved to Vegas and I tried to become a hairdresser. That was, I was good at it, but I, I just didn't enjoy being a hairdresser. And um, a friend of mine, he became a friend, who walks into the salon and he says, you know, you look like Freddie Mercury. If you could sing, you could make some money. I went, well, I used to sing. I haven't sung in a long, long time because I just haven't. And I had, a, had an experience in another musical. I think it was Sweet Charity that made it where I didn't sing for years. It was this whole thing that was fiasco so we went out to do karaoke and this is funny because i also did frankenfurter that's another side note but uh we went out to karaoke so i could just get my sea legs back and i would i went up to sing queen and i was so afraid i was so terrified and i went up and i went grabbing onto the mic is this the real life is this just fantasy I was so afraid. I was so afraid to step into the shoes of Freddie Mercury. What a what a thing. And then for fun, I just put on Sweet Transvestite from Rocky Horror Picture Show. And I went from <laughs> to how do I see watch my faithful handyman? And my friend said, Oh my God, that's it. That's on the nose. That energy, that sexuality, that is Freddie Mercury. That's Freddie. So I started working. I was a singing blackjack dealer in Vegas. And because of that, I, I met Eric McCormick from uh, Will and & Grace. And they asked him, they said, what are you doing here? And he said, well... Elton John is a friend of mine and he plays at the Caesar Palace across the street and David Furmish, Elton's husband, has been through it was then called the Imperial Palace and he said, oh my god, you've got to check out Freddie Mercury you've got to check out Freddie Mercury and then I met many Fre uh, Freddie's friends, family, lovers, uh, employees and his limo driver sat down and went, oh my god oh my god, I don't know how you're here How are you? I haven't even heard you sing, but my god how are you here? Every move you make, every sound, every, 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 every twitch, you are Freddie Mercury. I don't know how you're here. And I said, well, it is my job, darling. He says, no, you don't understand. You don't understand because you don't understand. I was your limo driver from 1984 to 1985. I mean, not yours, but Freddie's, but yours. I mean, I don't understand this. 
And usually when, especially when I was in Europe, uh, people would go, oh my God, I knew Freddie and how can you even be here? I don't, this is so weird for me. One was, one was, I have to tell you this story too, because it was so sad and so sweet. I was at uh, the Stallion, which is a gay bar in, in London. And it was during Gay Pride. And originally I would just go in and dance because I didn't care what everyone thought. I'd just go dance. And then the place would get packed out. And this man walks over to me. He'd been staring at me all night long. And he walks over and he says, I don't normally do this. I said, what? He says, um, bear with me. He says, you know, you look like Freddie Mercury. I went, yes, darling, that's my job. I do that. He says, you don't understand because I was one of, Freddie was one of my dearest friends and I don't know how you can be here. I haven't even heard you sing. He says, and he starts crying. And he says, I I have seen tributes. I have, I have heard his music. And this is the first time in 15 years that I've cried over my friend. Uh, when I'm with you, when, I, when I'm here with you, I feel like I'm with him. I feel like I'm touching him. I feel like, I said, I'd like to be your friend. He says, no, I can't. You don't understand. It's so weird. Well, I gave him my card. Later on, we ended up by going out. And he says, I don't even know what to call you. So you could call me whatever you want. He says, can I call you Freddie? Because I can't call you anything else. Of course, it's all right. But I had had, by this point, dream after dream after dream after dream of Freddie Mercury. Because I believe, as when I was pursuing acting, that I could channel these spirits, these energies, that I would welcome them into my own body. And so, because I would want the person to come in and say, yes, that was me. I would do that. So, in my dream world... I have I have contacted some of the greatest names, some of the greatest minds who have ever walked this earth. It's really quite phenomenal. Has uh, Freddie come and chatted with you? Many times. The first time was uh, when I I'd just been intimate with a man for the first time, and I was stupid and I did stupid things. But I I I, I that night I was I was in this I was. I was in this carriage and I was going up this mountainscape and I looked down, there was, there was snow and there were these trees. I could see the tops of trees coming up, up at me as spikes, like the, the, the cedar trees or whatever, they, the very spiky trees. And then I walked into the, the foyer of my childhood home, but it was longer than it normally was. And this man walks out and he was very gaunt and very thin and he had sort of a five o'clock shadow and he was very thin. He wore a blue shirt and he had a tapestry waistcoat with kittens on it. And he embraced me. And the next thing I knew, I felt like I was being raped. And I said, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this to me? And he looks at me and his, he pulls back and his eyes turn red. And he says, if you're not careful, it'll get you. And then I went into my mother's room in my dream. And she says, it's okay, honey. Come and lie down next to me. And she rolls over and her eyes are red. And she says, I told you it'd get you. Well, Freddie was trying to scare me straight, scare me, not straight. <laughs> not straight, God knows. <laughs> but he was trying to, he was trying to scare the stupid out of me. Yeah, not, spirits, he didn't want you to get AIDS. I assume that's, that's, he, that's exactly yeah. what he, that was what, because sometimes energies come to you when they feel a connection. They feel like there's something about you that I, there's something in you that I can see in myself. Mm. And, and that was one of the things that Freddie did. I mean, he had many other dreams. He'd come to me and he'd, he'd talk. I, I remember 
I remember right before I started playing Freddie, he walked in. I, I was living in Vegas, and it was even before my friend had even told me, you know, that day. Um, uh, Freddie walked in. I was I fell asleep on the sofa, and he sat down in the chair, and he and we we talked all night long. And then about sunrise, he got up and left. And uh, in another dream, I remember that. I saw, I was standing over Freddie's shoulder and he was signing his autograph and he turns around and he hands it to me like this. And a friend said to me, well, you know, the next day, I hadn't even told him the dream. He said, well, you know, if you're, if you're being Freddie, you might as well learn his signature. <laughs> so it wasn't that he wanted me to be, but he was sort of telling me, I will, I want you to tell my story. Even if it's not in film, I want you to tell my story. You, you understand. And I did for, for people who knew Freddie or who wanted to know Freddie. I was the closest I could, I, I was the conduit to Freddie. Yeah. And uh, honestly, in, in many of the pictures that I saw, it's unnerving <laughs> how much you look like him, <laughs> which is great. I mean, if you're going to be an impersonator of a person, I hope you look like them. <laughs> That's true. It yeah. is really true. Well, I just fell into it by accident, but it was it was so much fun. I mean, really, I could write a book about that alone. You know, yeah. I've, been, I've been I've been everything from a banker, a Sunday school teacher, a daycare teacher, a Freddie Mercury impersonator, a ballet dancer, a stripper, an escort, a, a singing blackjack dealer. Wait, you were an escort? I was an escort in Vegas for a little while. The funny thing was, I, I, in those days, the internet was new, so it wasn't this major big deal. And so I signed up with this company, and they, spec they, they dealt with specifically um, catering to gay men. So I signed up with this company, and they said, okay, we'll get you something, we'll get you someone. And I was, I was young, I wasn't even doing Freddie then. I was bleach blonde and I was thin. I'm looking like I'm 12, you know. So uh, the first guy, they said, okay, here's the deal. It sounds like he's trying to get someone out of the hotel room, but don't worry, go to the Rio or whatever what it was. Go to, the, go to this hotel and wait in the lobby, then they'll let you know. Okay, they called me. Okay, now it's time to go up. So I, I go up to the, to the door and I knock on, on the door and the guy says, he says, what? Who is it? And I went, my stage name was Gabriel. And he says, I don't want no adult entertainment. And I went, oh, 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 okay. I guess his friends are playing a prank. And I called him and I said, listen, they didn't, it, it, it didn't work. They, they apparently it was, I was a joke. I was the butt of the joke. Okay, don't worry, honey. We'll get you somebody. So they get me this guy. And he wants a blonde. He wants a blonde guy. So go to the hotel, meet in the lobby. And the guy, meet. I, whatever, whatever it was, not quite the lobby, but sort of in the uh, by the elevators. And the guy comes out and he says, uh, "There's a problem." And I went, "What? You asked for blonde?" And he went, "Yeah, I wanted someone who was uh, bigger and older." And I went, "I lied. I was twenty. I was twenty-five, and I said I was, I said I was twenty-two or something, as if those three years really made a big difference." And he says, well, I want someone who's uh, older. I went, well, I'm 20, 22. And he went, yeah, but you look 12. And I went, oh. So I called him and he said, yeah, that, that didn't work. Don't worry, sweetheart. We'll, we'll help you. We'll, get you. we'll get you on board. So they send me to this guy. I go all the way up into his room. And he says, they said, oh, no, he tipped out on a thousand bucks. So make certain that 
you ask high, you can always go low. Ask high, go low. So I said a thousand bucks. And I said, oh, well, that's more expensive than I wanted. I went, well, I'm well worth your time. He goes, okay, well, I have, I, I, I have, I think, 500 bucks or something. I said, I tell you what, you can give me the five. And then you can afterwards go down to the lobby to the gift shop and buy me some very expensive things. So he says, okay, here's, here's, here's half of it. Here's your money. So I go and sit on the bed and then his phone rings. And now mind you, it's like midnight, one o'clock in the morning and this phone rings and he goes, oh, 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 you've got to go. You've got to get out of here. It's my wife. My wife is coming. She's coming up the stairs. Oh my God. You've got to get out of here. You've got to get out. Of here. You made some money. Just get out. And I went, okay, well, I've tried it three times. Three times it didn't really work, so I guess it's not really for me. I mean, I later on did it because I really enjoyed it. it I, was one of, I mean, I did it in San Francisco, and it was fun. But, you know, it was fun. I did, I did it mostly for fun. Did the AIDS crisis worry you at all as a gay man, especially in San Francisco? No, I was really stupid in that. I, I, and also kind of feeling like, oh, well, I'm invincible, and... If you were to know the amount of people I've been intimate with, uh, anyway, I'm not invincible. I'm not that stupid anymore, but I, my numbers are up there. Well, I'm glad you're here and healthy. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Now remind everyone how they can find you across the internet. You can either find me on uh, Facebook as The Gentleman Psychic, you can look at my YouTube, The Gentleman Psychic, or you can just find Richard Lale Lillard. That's everything. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Richard Lale Lillard. It might be a hashtag. It, I don't know. I, I, I've been trying, I, because my name was, I was born Richard Lale Lillard, but then it was a lot to say, so people just called me Richie. I don't like people to call me Richie anymore. And I thought, well, maybe just Richard, but then I didn't really like to be called Richard. It's a long story. I didn't like to be called Richard, and I thought, you know what? My name is Richard Lale. I like to be called Richard Lale as my first name. So you can find Richard Lale, L-A-E-L, on any of the, the, the interwebs, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, or a hashtag The Gentleman Psychic or hashtag my name. It's a, it's a convoluted story. The good news is I have a links page on HeyHumanPodcast.com and I can put everything there so they don't even have to think Fabulous. about it. You don't even have to think about it. Richard Lale, thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate it. It is my pleasure. Oh, it was so lovely chatting with you. I thank you for having me on here. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. And please, when all this corona nonsense is finished, I would love an invitation to your beautiful home because I want to look at it. It looks so cool. I would love to have you over for tea. And you you can text me or email me. You can. Not not them at home. Not right. yet. We, ha- you have to, we have to have at least a conversation first. Yes, of course. Of course. But I just, I, I like the, are those bees behind you? Yes, actually. Love those it. Those are bees. This is, well, this is a lamp from the 60s, but I like it. But those are bees. <laughs> That came from the remodel at the Beetle House, from the old location to the new location. Uh, that was thrown in a closet, and one of the managers went, yeah, you can have it. Oh, wonderful. So, so yeah, it's, for me, I love the idea of bees. It represents sort of taking care of the hive and realizing that you're ruled over by the queen bee and everyone playing its part. I like it. I like that, too. My father, when he was in college, his first girlfriend, whose name is, if she's still around, Watha, she painted, and she painted this great painting of him that I have, and she also painted 
a hive of, of bees. And, How lovely. Yeah, and I found them in the garage, and I said to my parents, you know, who did this? And my mother said, ugh, and, like, left the room. And <laughs> my dad said, Watha, my first girlfriend, which is why they were in the garage, obviously. My mother was like, those aren't hanging up on the wall. But I said, may I have them? And uh, so I, now the bees and the portrait of my father are here at my house. And That's lovely. Yeah, I just love it. It's really a cool painting. So yay, Watha. <laughs> yay, Watha. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. It's been my pleasure, lovely. Darling. Thank you for listening, everyone. And stay safe out there. Bye. Rate and review Hey Human on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks for listening. Be well.